have to pick and choose which markets have the most commonalities amongst them, choose those markets, and then find products that fit in those markets. And then hopefully we can get a a multi-state launch off the ground. Hey everyone, this is Nazar Akio from Max Pro. Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Paul. And we're Love and Pebbles. Hi, this is Lopa Vandermersch from Rasa. Oh, you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening to the E-Harm Show. Welcome to the Ecom Show, presented by Blue Tusker, the number one place to hear the inside scoop from other e-commerce experts, where they share their secrets on how they scaled their business and are now living the dream. Now, here is your host, Andrew Math. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ecom Show. I'm your host, Andrew Math, and today I am joined by the amazing Joe Hodas of Wanna Brands, who is the CMO over at Wanna Brands. Joe, how you doing? Ready for a good show? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I've never been called amazing, so I appreciate that. <laughs> really? Well, it's a first. Clearly, no one is paying attention. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Super excited to have you on the show. You are one of a handful that we have had in this space. It is one of my favorite spaces to talk about because of the specifically the marketing complications behind it, which always makes things fun. But I always like to do the usual give the opportunity here to let everyone know a little bit more about yourself, your background, a little more about Wanna Brands. We'll take it from there, right? Yeah, it sounds great. And, you know, something you just mentioned actually is kind of tied to that, which is the the challenges of marketing. That's really one of the reasons why I got into uh, the cannabis space. And and so with that, I'll, I'll kind of back up a little bit and say that, um, you know, I've been in PR and marketing and advertising my entire career um, here in Colorado and <clears throat> was with an agency back in you know, like 2010, 2011, and uh, uh, a Hot soda companies, what they call themselves at the time, came to us and asked for uh, a little bit of help with some brand work. And that company was was Dixie Elixirs and Edibles at the time. Uh, and uh, we did the work. I loved it. I thought it was fascinating. I'd always been a, a fan of cannabis and a consumer. Uh, it always been in favor of legalization, but hadn't. It wasn't a big part of my life. And then as I got to know um, Dixie a little bit more. We began to do some intercepts and some some interesting studies about who was consuming cannabis and why. And um, I really began to see both uh, the beneficial effects that, that it could have from a health perspective in terms of helping with pain and, and, and other issues that people were having um, from a health standpoint, but but also that it was a variety of people that were using the product. So it wasn't what I, I think I perceived to be the target audience. And so that began my journey into understanding cannabis a little bit better as a business and as an industry. Along the same, uh, about the same time, the state of Colorado voted to legalize adult use cannabis. We're the first state to do so. Um, and that was implemented January 1 of 2014. Uh, that's exactly when I began with Dixie as their chief marketing officer. So I made the jump from the agency side to, uh, to Dixie on the, uh, uh, on the inside of that company and spent four years there helping to not only shape what was one of the first national brands in cannabis, I, and I'll, I'll say national with air quotes because, you know, it's, it's still a small industry, so it doesn't really count as national. But um, and uh, and at the same time, I was also able to help shape some of the regulation in Colorado, which has now really become part of the the national regulation that we see in multiple other states. So really, really exciting time. Um, bounced around to a few other companies in the cannabis space because that point I was pretty broken. There was no way I was uh, leaving cannabis because it was just so fascinating to be able to <laughs> um, have so many firsts and to be able to, uh, to help shape not only brands, but industries and um, functions and purposes. Uh, so 
it became, um, I think, a, a lifelong passion for me. And I joined Wana Brands about three years ago. It was a relationship I built with their CEO, uh, Nancy Whiteman, um, co-founder and CEO, uh, when I first started with Dixie. And so when I had an opportunity to make a move, she said, we'd love to have you come to Wana. And that was probably the best move I, I made in, in this industry. Wana is currently the largest uh, edibles manufacturer in North America. We're in about 15 states plus Canada. And uh, we produce a significant amount of uh, uh, gummies across the country. Um, and we are, I think, doing things a little bit differently than most cannabis companies, which is um, the most exciting part from a marketing perspective for me. I truly believe that people that are in the marketing space in like in anything with cannabis, CBD, like anything like that, just pure artists, because day in and day out, you get people that are like, oh, if I can't track this, how am I supposed to run my business and blah, blah, blah. I go, whatever happened to like the good old days when people were doing TVs and billboards and radio? And it's like, you can't track that stuff. So why is yeah. it all of a sudden that we're so reliant on it? So how are you able to effectively market without blowing through a budget, knowing that you can't actually tie that conversion together? So... The good news is this. Um, our CEO and founder uh, is a former marketer, so she kind of gets it, right? There so you that's go. A big, that's half the battle, <laughs> right? When you talk about getting budget, you had to have someone who understands. Like when I talk about brand awareness and I say, hey, we're going to do a billboard because X, Y, and Z, she gets it, right? Uh, we'd had a conversation mm -hmm. this morning about a, a new platform uh, that we have access to, which is Twitter. Whole different subject, but we talked about you know doing some experimenting there. And I said, I don't, I don't know what the ROI is going to look like. I don't know if I'll be able to track it in the way that I think I will. Um, but are we willing to try it and experiment? Her answer was absolutely. Um, let's yeah. let's do that, right? So, um, so you know, I, I make the I make the case to say that as a brand awareness tool, we have access to a lot of different options, um, and I try to be responsible with the spend, and I also try to at least, as best I can, try to push um, traffic to a specific skewer, specific source. So at least broadly, we can say, yeah, we saw some lift here. Um, you know, we got creative recently with the launch of a new product here in Colorado. Uh, it's called Quick Calm. It's a, um, it's a fast acting um, product that is designed to help people with um, anxious feelings and spiraling thoughts, right? So it's a very low dose product. Uh, we, used, um, we used 5280, which is a local uh, magazine here, to promote it. And we used a QR code in the magazine that drove to a specific dispensary that we had a partnership with so that they could use a discount in that dispensary through the magazine ad. Um, and we saw a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of conversions. That was the first time I was able to actually hold up something and say like, hey, <laughs> we had 187 clicks on this QR code and 157 people bought the product. Um, so that was a, you know, that was a big, that was a big uh, moment for us. Nice. So obviously in this space, <clears throat> you're, when someone uh, goes to a cart, they add it on your site you still have the the mix between the digital and the physical that you kind of have to combat and deal with. But from a digital side, what are you doing in terms of how you're able to market? Because obviously you can't run ads on anything pretty much. So you've got your SEO, like content marketing heavy side of where you kind of are trying to develop the brand as more of a thought leader. You have the social media side, which is obviously just building the audience and you have your influencer marketing side, which is great for like local side since obviously you've got a mix of that. So what has, from a digital side, what has that approach been and how are you kind of able to track the success of that? 
Well, I think um, as we were talking about earlier, when I when I look at our, our digital channels um, and I look at some of the basic tools like programmatic advice, um, mm-hmm. and, and there's been an evolution, by the way. So it wasn't it, it didn't start out this way, but um, initial days, uh, programmatic advice consisted of being able to buy ads on High Times Magazine and whatever the local free publication was in whatever market, because those are the only ones that allowed uh, for cannabis advertising. But um, it since has it since has opened up, so we have access to a lot of inventory now, which is great. Um, but you know, it is an awareness tool, so I can I can ask for impressions, I can see you know uh, click throughs, um, I can drive them even to a landing page, which is what we do sometimes. Um, but but all of that has to it, it lives in a very self contained way, and I and I have to view all of it as brand awareness. I can't really um, do anything other than continue to push the brand out, uh, and I try to be skew specific with it. So at the very least, people know. We have a sleep product. We have a, a quick calm product. We have a fast acting gummy, those kinds of things. So I'm a little bit uh, uh, specific with it as it relates to the SKUs that I'm highlighting. But um, in other channels, other digital channels, um, for example, you mentioned social, we actually are, are even more limited there um, than programmatic ad buys because A, we can't, we can't promote the... I can promote education about a SKU on Instagram, but I can't say... Here's what it costs. Here's where you buy it. Here's, you know, a direct connect to uh, a dispensary that can, where you can make your purchase. I can't do any of that. Right. Otherwise I risk losing my platform, which by the way, has happened multiple times. Instagram (laughs) just three weeks ago just said, Oh, we got a, we got an alert that you're violating um, our community standards and they shut down our, our platform for five days. No explanation, no reason why. Luckily we had someone inside of meta that helped us kind of get it back online but mm-hmm. they basically just said, sorry, we made a mistake. And now we have our platform back. So so we have to be super, super <laughs> careful about what we uh, use social for and how we advertise on social. And by the way, when I say advertise, I mean organically. We can't, we can't, yeah, you we can. have no access to paid advertising. Yeah. Um, so it's all organic, but I have to be very, very careful, even with influencers, even when, you know, uh, even when I'm, I'm paying someone else and it's their platform, and I still have to be super careful. I don't want to risk losing the 43,000 people that we have on there. So, um, so it it all looks like brand awareness. And then I transfer that to the store because by the way, there are so many dispensaries, you know, there's, let's say 500 in in Colorado, five to five to 700 in Colorado. Um, I am not trying to do the heavy lift of getting them into the dispensary for the most part. I'm presuming that they're going to go to the dispensary. I just want them to have Juana on the mind or a specific SKU that we sell when they go into that dispensary. And then I combine that with, okay, now they're in a dispensary. They see point of sale. Right. So that's a big mm-hmm. piece of, of my budget too. the physical asset in the store where I'm hosting my products. It has education it has F&Bs. I have screens. I have the bud tender education I've been talking about. I have takeaway pieces. I also do a tremendous amount of um, physical pop ups. So I have my brand ambassador, and my field marketing team in a lot of stores in multiple states. So we have a pretty good sized field team. That's how I can I combine the two. Create awareness digitally, drive them to the store, let stores drive the traffic. And then make sure that when they're in the store, it's reinforcing the message I've given them digitally. So with that, once you do get them in the store, how are you differentiating against the, I mean, it feels like thousands of different, just edibles alone, there's countless of them. So how are you kind of able to let the product line stand out in a market that A, is so crowded, but is also just getting more and more competition like every day? Yeah, it's the competition as well as significant price compression. Obviously, those two are related, right? Mm-hmm. But the the price compression is is real. So, um, oftentimes we have to be 
uh, aware that um, our premium pricing is is not for everybody. We have a premium product line. Uh, we put you know organic ingredients. We put um, a lot of really additional um, elements into our products that other brands don't have. So innovation is one way uh, that I differentiate our our products on the shelf because. We have the only fast-acting uh, anti-anxiety uh, product, which is our Quick Calm product, right? No one else has a product like that. It's very unique. So when they go into the store, uh, if I've done a good job with the butt tenders and I've created some education around it, then that consumer will be identified as a, pro- a person who might benefit from this given product. But I also have a lot of um, in-store materials so that it's it's you know very clear to the consumer when they're in there that this is a product that might be a good fit for them. Um, but, uh, but in terms of like on the shelf, that's really hard. So I go back to the butt tender education piece and I'll, I'll be honest, it, you know, butt tenders, uh, helping them along with butt tender incentives. Um, uh, the biggest, probably the biggest line item I have in my budget right now is swag, which sounds silly to say, but you know, like yeah. this, this hat, <laughs> you know, there, we spend a lot of money on that because that's what helps motivate the, the butt tenders. They wear it in store. They, you know, they share it. They are consumers as well, by the way. So um, it's important that we are front and center for them and top of mind so that when someone does come in and they say, what's your favorite gummy? The answer is one. And because of all of the regulations and how they're differentiated in each state, does that make marketing in each state that much more complicated or are you able to kind of implement your marketing approaches in all of the states where you're currently available and can Oh no, it's, it's super easy. No problems. Um, That's good. <laughs> our, <laughs> this is, this is how sad it is. Our, our biggest goal for this, for the latter half of this year is to actually create a product and marketing launch across multiple states at the same time. Can you imagine? Right. Crazy. You can't, we, we haven't been able to do that really because because of the regulations you're talking about because of even um, things like um, in certain markets like that product I was mentioning earlier it has L-theanine some markets don't allow um, other over-the-counter ingredients um, to be in the product you can only be the cannabis and other cannabinoids right so we can't sell that product in every market um, some markets don't allow like Florida my packaging has to be black and white I'm not allowed any color on my packaging in Florida. Um, in fact, the gummies have to be uh, colorless as well, which is kind of weird. Um, so, you know, so I can't create materials and spread them across multiple markets simultaneously. I have to pick and choose which markets have the most commonalities amongst them, choose those markets, and then find products that fit in those markets. And then hopefully we can choose, we can get a, a multi-state launch off the ground. <laughs> it's Every time I talk to someone who does marketing in this industry, it's like, Every other brand has it so easy. Like no one thinks like state by state marketing because they have to. How do you keep track of all of that? Because they're changing obviously all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great question. And, you know, it, they, they do change a lot. And, and oftentimes, you know, the, the, the governing bodies in, a, in each state, which, by the way, are different. Right. It's the liquor board. It's the marijuana enforcement division here in Colorado. It's, you know, whoever they um if you're tied in really locally, you might get some of those updates. You know, with us using partners in each of our market, we're counting on them to, to know if there's a change to the regulations or related to packaging or marketing or something else to be aware of it. We have a compliance team internally that also helps. And then there's also third parties that that's all they focus on is keeping up to date on the compliance at a federal, state, uh, local, and even down to like county and, and you know, super local jurisdictions because... Jeez. 
each state generally, when they legalize, they allow um, counties and, and cities to opt in or out of programs and to create their own rules. So the city of Denver has its own sort of governing body that, that helps to dictate and mandate what could be done underneath the state umbrella of what's allowable. So they can't do mm. something that's not already allowed by the state, but they can translate the rules and regs how they choose to for their city. You mentioned earlier the programmatic side, obviously that's primarily like display ads, that kind of stuff. Right. But you also mentioned, are you getting into Twitter? Did Twitter open up allowing uh, <laughs> cannabis ads or are you just doing an organic side? No, they, they have. Okay. So this is relatively Did new. They? This is the that. last month and a half, I'd say maybe two months that Twitter um, has begun to allow for cannabis advertising. But the first time I talked with them was before they uh, announced it publicly and we were kind of going back and forth on what they're proposing. And um, it became pretty clear that they, they didn't understand the industry. So I tell you that not to say I'm so smart and they're not, but because it's obviously their Twitter, they're smart people, but more so to say it is so complex. It has taken in the month, last month and a half, I've gotten three different new iterations of their advertising regs and how they're treating cannabis because it has evolved so rapidly as they've begun to realize like, oh, well, this language doesn't really apply, nor does it work. Or, oh, if we do this, we're excluding this entire category of the industry that might you know, want to be on the platform. So it's been a pretty complicated dance, um, but it is an interesting opportunity because of the first major social platform to allow for, for cannabis advertising. Um, I have my own opinions about where Twitter's going and, you know, all the you know political elements and the ownership of all that. But, um, but it is, you know, it is a, a first for the industry because we still can't use anything meta. We still can't use Google, you know, so we're, we're prohibited from all those Twitter might offer an interesting differentiated uh, approach to us for content outside of programmatic and some of the other digital channels we've used previously. Yeah. So with all of the limitations you have, right? Like it's, I could be here all day listing your limitations. What's the one thing that you wish that like your traditional e-commerce seller, your traditional like digital marketers or just tra- like regular marketer, like what's the one thing that you're like, I wish we could just have that? Well, I, I don't know if this is quite the answer you're looking for, but e-commerce, like literally e-commerce. Yeah. Like if I can yeah. sell a product on my site and ship it, right? And I'll, I'll put all the the you know age gates and restrictions in place and you know do all that but if i could just allow myself to sell directly to the consumer um and and to be able to 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 ship that way that would that would be huge um yeah now i I say that we have a lot of really great brick and mortar dispensary partners and there are partners because they have they've been the, the channel through which we have to sell our products so um, it wouldn't be something I, I would say like overnight, I would move immediately to an e-commerce model, but just the ability to be able to reach the consumer directly, see a conversion, have the data, understand who's buying the product and um, to be able to uh, make sure that when I speak to them, I can be positive that if, if they have said, I want this product, they put it in their cart and they buy it, that I know that versus then sending them to a brick and mortar store and not be able to connect to. I get that. I would agree with that. You think the how far out you think it'll be until that actually becomes a reality? Well, if you, if you don't mind indulging me for a second, I'm going to tell you something that's a little bit, um, a little bit related to what you just asked, but also that goes back to some of these challenges. We as an industry right now, as a regulated cannabis industry, are really fighting three different battles. So the one you mentioned, which is the existing uh, competitive landscape within dispensaries and 
for the consumer's mind and hearts. Two, we're combating the illicit market, which is still huge. I just saw an estimate from New Frontier Data that estimates it's still at about $74 billion, which is two to three X the current legal market. So the illicit market is still huge, right? We're, we're, we're competing with them on a regular basis from a pricing perspective primarily. And then lastly, this one is relatively new, but more direct to the question you're asking. There is a whole set of products that are uh, hemp-derived now. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've been following this at all, but there's Delta 9, Delta 8, TCO, all of which are derived from hemp, which was technically legalized through the Farm Bill in 2018. Um, but subsequently, many have found these loopholes to be able to create um, synthesized Delta 9, which is the active uh, chemical in THC or molecule in THC, um, to create that from hemp and then sell it online and in sea stores and in you know liquor stores or wherever. Um, they are not subject to the same regulations that the regulated cannabis industry is, yet it's still the same substance, right? So I just, mm-hmm. I just yesterday, just to experiment, I, I bought um, some Delta 9 products, five milligrams of THC per unit online, no age gating, shipped directly to my house. I haven't received it yet, but, um, you know, it is, it is definitely a whole new world that they do have access to the things that we don't, and no one is really minding that shop right now. Yeah. Yeah, the Delta Nine thing. I mean, that blew up, at least in my cool. opinion, overnight. I feel like yeah. all of a sudden, every gas station was like, "This has, we have this Delta Nine, and then all these ads. All and I was like, "Okay," uh, but yeah. yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see where it goes. It's every year there's something new. Some state opens it up while another one takes it down, and it's just left and right. It's gonna be. I I commend you for for tolerating it. <laughs> well, I, I, I really appreciate that. And I'll tell you what I, I tell my team all the time is, you know, yeah, it, it feels like we're pounding our head against the wall, but as a marketer, it teaches you how to be really smart, how to overcome hurdles and how to think differently and get around problems. And so I think from that standpoint, the training is great. Exactly. Joe, really appreciated you having you on the show. I know you're super busy, so I will use this opportunity to wrap things up. I'd love for you to let everyone know where they can find out more about you and, of course, more about Wana Brands. Well, great. Um, you know, Wana Brands, our website, wannabrands.com. Um, most of uh, all of our social channels are at Wana Brands. Um, I'm at Joe Hodas, H uh, O D A S. And uh, welcome any connections. And I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Of course, everyone that tuned in, thank you as well. Please make sure you do the usual rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff, or head over to ecomshow.com to check out all of our past episodes. But as usual, I appreciate you all joining and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.